0: Look over at the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter twelve. You guys have been getting some out of this weight series. We've done two messages so far, and we're going to continue today on our series about weights. This morning, we turn over to Hebrews twelve because uh, that's kind of been the key verse to where we've been uh, preaching out of. Is Hebrews twelve in verse one, uh, really to about verse three or four? So we're going to talk about weights again this morning. And we're going to be responsive today, right? Uh, we're going to be alive today. And we're going to be responsive because the sun is out again. Uh, we have finally come back to the sunlight. We, we stopped the Seattle Northwest weather. And we are back to the sunshine again. Finally, finally, finally. It was getting rough. It was getting serious. Um, so the sun shines out. So there's a reason to respond and to smile today sunshine is back out, and hopefully it will dry up, and all these uh, lakes everywhere will dry up. So I almost took a boat, really, to, to get to church today. It's pretty rough out where I live. So uh, we're going to be responsive today because it helps the preacher out. It helps you out. You get more when you respond, and don't just stare at me like, I don't know what you're saying, when you really do know what I'm saying, but you're not admitting that you know what I'm saying. So it helps. Response helps. Can I get amen? Okay, so uh, we're going to read here in Hebrews 12 in verse 1. We're going to read from the New Living Translation. That's what I've been reading from lately. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. That's a key verse for today. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Amen? So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message today is Endurance to Finish. Endurance To finish. Endurance to finish. Now, could you turn up my microphone slightly just a little bit today because I feel like preaching this morning. So, endurance to finish. Everybody say endurance. Endurance To finish. finish. Endurance endurance to finish. finish. So, in Hebrews 12, in verse 1, it says, at the end of this passage, it says, Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us, Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we talked about this the past several weeks, but let me do a quick little recap of what we're talking about. We said that this life from the time you're born to the time you die is like a race. And there is things that God wants you to accomplish on this race. There is a race that when you're born to the time you die, there is something that God has called you to finish. And he's called you to not just finish, He's called you to win. And it says in the Bible that he wants you to run to win, and he wants you to run with purpose, not like somebody who doesn't know their purpose. Because if you're saved and you know Jesus, you know you have a purpose. You're not here on accident, you're here on purpose. You have a reason for breathing, you have a reason for living, and it's not just preachers that have a reason. It's every person who knows God has a reason for living and a reason for being. And really, even those who don't know God still have a purpose, they just don't know it yet. So, we have a purpose, and it says we need to run to win, and we need to run with purpose in this race that we're called to be in. Now, the book of Hebrews is written to a church who's being persecuted. There are a group of Hebrew people that are, a lot of people say that they are in Rome, and at that time, the Roman world was really ruling the world, the known world at that time. And they were crucifying people. They were torturing people. They were sending Christians to the Colosseum to be eaten by tigers and lions and bears. Oh, my. They were, they were doing this to Christians. It wasn't Western American persecution. We're talking about real persecution. We're not talking about Twitter, Facebook, social media persecution. We're talking about real-life persecution real-life hardships, real-life struggle, real-life trials. And he writes this uh, book, Hebrews, to a group of Hebrews. That's why you pay me the big bucks to be the pastor, so I can figure stuff like that out. Hebrews is written to Hebrews. Yeah. Put two two together. That's where that Bible college education is coming in right now. I can feel it. So Hebrews is written to this group of Hebrews who are wanting to give up on their faith. It's written to this group of Hebrews that are wanting to backpedal on their faith. They're wanting to throw away their faith. They're wanting to turn back to the way it used to be because it was easier before they weren't a Christian. It was easier for them before they became a Christian. And so they're wanting to give up on their faith. They're wanting to turn back on their faith. And so Hebrews is written to encourage people to not do that. And one of the main encouragements is in Hebrews 12, which we're reading about this race. And it says that you're running this race and you're running to finish. And that that Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith in this race. And he doesn't want you to give up. He wants you to run to win. He wants you to run to finish. But you have to run with endurance. You understand what I'm saying so far this morning. You have to run with endurance. That means it's going to take some endurance to make it all the way to the finish line. It's going to take some patience and some perseverance, which are words that none of us like, especially myself. It's it's going to take those words to get it all the way to the finish line. Some patience, some endurance, some perseverance to make it all the way to the finish. So, this race is not a sprint. It's not track and field. It's a marathon. It's cross country. We need to know that. Now, at the beginning of the race, you need to know that. If, if you were running a race and uh, they didn't tell you what kind of race it was and you were a track runner, but then it ended up being a cross country race, uh, you wouldn't make it and vice versa. If you were a cross country runner, runner and they gave you a track race, you wouldn't probably do too good. Because you need to know what kind of race it is ahead of time to do good in the event you're going to be in. Because different runners are built for different things. So that's why I'm here today to tell you that the race of life is a marathon, it's cross country, it's not a short sprint, it's not just a quick thing. It's from the time you're born to the time you die. God has a plan and a calling and a purpose and things for you to finish. And there's no such thing as retirement in the kingdom of God. Where you at? You might retire from your job, but that doesn't mean you retire from the things of God and the kingdom of God. Because notice, you're still in this race. Until you pass the finish line, you're not done yet. Until you go into the physical presence of Jesus in heaven, you're not finished yet. There's still a purpose. There's still a plan. There's still a calling on your life to do what you're called to do. That's why he says you need to run with endurance. You need to run with endurance. So we have to run this race to win and run it with purpose and with the intent to finish and finish well. It's easy to start. It's harder to finish. Everyone's excited at the beginning of something. Everyone is excited at the beginning of something. It's harder to finish. That's why it takes endurance. It takes endurance. To finish the race, it takes endurance. It's been said before that a lot of people don't finish well. A lot of people don't end up at the end of their life finishing well. That's not something to scare you. That's saying that, They forgot that this was a marathon. They forgot this was an endurance race. And you see, a lot of times, the older people get, the more bitter they get, the more angry they get, the more sickly and feeble and not faith-filled they get. All right. All right. You guys were responding more when I talked about discipline last week. Yes. Let's go back to discipline. I like that one. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm not talking about anybody here because you guys are great. I'm talking about people you know out there, right? Okay. Couldn't be you. But this race is a marathon. It's, it takes some endurance. And I realize it's easy for me to be excited and say that because I'm 29 years old. I have a long way to go. It's different for somebody else that's older to say these things. But the truth is that God wants us to finish this race and finish it strong and finish it like the Apostle Paul said, I finished my race with joy. How unusual is that? Finish my race with joy. How many joyful elderly people do you know? Not many. Other than the people in our church. That's what I meant to say, right? Right, right. right. I'm not pointing at elderly people because you guys are all young at heart. That's what I meant. I'm trying to be as politically correct as I can up here this morning. But Paul said you could finish your race with joy. Finish your race in health. Finish your race and do what God has called you to do. And not feel regrets for what you didn't do when you were here on the earth. So we got to run to win win and run with purpose. So a couple things we talked about the past couple weeks is in a, a marathon race or any kind of race... You're going to need to cut weight. going to need to drop some weight. A lot of us in here get spiritually fat. We need to lose a few spiritual LBs. Drop some weight here. We need to go on some spiritual weight watchers and let it go. And we know that things happen over time. And um, just like, ah, should I say that or should I not say that? Just like when you get older, just like myself, you know, one day you just look at the mirror and you realize, huh, where did these 20 pounds come from? I don't remember these. I thought I've always looked the same here. It happens on accident. We collect weight over time. We collect weight over time if we're not paying attention, if we're not training. And so uh, the first thing we talked about is we need to cut weight. We need to let go of some things. Sometimes we're carrying stuff, we're carrying baggage, we're carrying burdens, and it's slowing us down from the race that we're called to run. So first of all, if we're going to really run our race in this marathon, we're going to have to lose the weight. We're going to have to cut the weight off. that's holding us back. And now we talked about that. You can listen to that uh, on the podcast if you want. Now last week we talked about training. We talked about if you're going to run the race, you've got to have the right nutrition and exercise to be healthy. Uh, to be a good athlete, you need the right nutrition and exercise. Now, we said nutrition, spiritually speaking, is this. Uh, the Word of God, prayer, and worship. The Word of God, prayer, and worship. Now, how do we spiritually exercise? Well, we spiritually exercise by using our faith. By putting our faith in To action. And I just gave you one opportunity just a few minutes ago with our Heart for the House offering. We exercise spiritually by using our faith muscles and putting it into practice. The book of James says it like this Don't be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Because it's easy for all of us to come on a Sunday morning and say, that was a great message, I appreciated it, good try, Pastor, and go back to your life and you don't do anything that's said on Sunday morning. And then you realize why your life is the way it is is because you hear, 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 but you never actually do anything about it. Amen. We all do that. We've all heard great messages and two days later we can't remember anything that was said. Because we never... Decided when we leave the service, how can I apply this to my life today? How can I do something with it today? How can I put my faith into action today? So it's easy for all of us. That's why it said in the book of James, don't be hearers only, but be doers of the word. And that means you. it's a conscious choice that you have to make to be a doer of the word. You have to be intentional about putting your faith to action. It doesn't just happen on accident. Just like you don't accidentally show up at Planet Fitness. You don't actually, accidentally eat a spinach salad. You don't accidentally do that. You don't just, you know, yeah, I meant to order the cheeseburger, but I got the spinach salad. You don't accidentally do that. You do that on purpose because you want to punish yourself. You don't accidentally drink a protein shake. You do it on purpose. You're not doing that on accident. So, with our faith, we got to put it to action. And we got to be intentional about it because it doesn't develop and it doesn't grow unless we intentionally use it. Just like this heart for the house offering. The more we use it, the more it grows. The less we use it, the less it grows. We have to be intentional about using our faith muscle. You still here? Okay, now let's go to Romans 5. Romans 5. Now we're going to talk about endurance. Endurance to finish. Endurance to finish. It says uh, in Hebrews 12, let me just quote it and we'll read here in Romans 5. It says that you need to run this race with endurance. Run it with endurance. In Romans 5, we're going to start in verse 2. It says, Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Verse 3, now I'm reading from the New Living. It says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that it will help us develop endurance. And verse 4, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. But notice in verse 3 what it says. We can rejoice too. He's saying you can be happy about, which is the opposite of what you want to do when problems and trials come. But notice what he says. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that it will help us develop Endurance. Endurance. Now, let's go over to James 1. James 1. Now, stay with me. We're going to go somewhere today. James 1. We're talking about endurance. Notice it says you can rejoice when you go come into problems and trials because it develops endurance. Now, that's what he said you needed to finish the race. Endurance to finish the race. Endurance. Endurance. So, it says in James 1. We're going to read in verse 2. Now, these are written by two separate people, but it says similar things here, something we can learn. James 1 in verse 2, New Living, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Verse 3, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Did you hear the verse that I just read? Your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. Talk about endurance this morning. So we talked about your faith is like a muscle. Your faith is like a muscle and endurance is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more it grows. The less you use it, the less it grows. And it says if you're going to run this race, this marathon, you're going to have to grow your endurance. Cuz realize you can't run a 26-mile marathon the first time you go running. You can't do it. Why? Because you haven't developed endurance. You have to grow your endurance to get to be able to be able to run 26 miles for a marathon. That means you have to start somewhere and run one mile and then run two miles and then run three miles and then run five miles and then run 10 miles. But notice if you don't accomplish the one mile, you will never get to the 26 mile. You have to start where you start and grow from there to develop endurance. And God says that you need to develop endurance and he gives you opportunities to do that. God gives us opportunities to grow in our faith and our endurance. We could call them faith challenges. God gives us faith challenges to grow our faith because He realizes. If you never get challenged, you will never grow. Now, for some reason, there's religion that's got into the church and into Christians thinking that they think when they get saved, that it's all good. They'll never have another problem. They'll never have another trial. They'll never get sick ever again. They'll never have an unexpected bill. They'll never go to the emergency room anymore. They will never experience any trial and heartache and pain. No, you're talking about heaven, (laughs) which you're not there yet. Because Jesus said in the Gospels, Test and trials and tribulations will come to all of us, believer and unbeliever alike. But the good news is, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Now, the difference is, trials and tribulations and problems come to everybody. But the good news for the believer is, we can win and we can get through it because Jesus is in us and Jesus has overcome the world. Now, that's the difference. But just for the fact that we're Christians and believers doesn't mean we're immune to hardships, problems, trials, and pain just because we're Christians. That's heaven. It's not here. And it's amazing. The Apostle Paul says it in Romans, and James says the same thing. He said that it is a time to rejoice and to be full of joy when you have problems and trials and tribulations. Now, (laughs) that is the complete opposite from anything any of us know about the world. We're human beings, and that is the exact opposite response and feeling we get when we're in problems, tests, trials, challenges. But the fact is that because we're Christians... And we're believers, we live from a different perspective. And we live from a different world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Now, I'm preaching if you go help me this morning. And so we can see tests and trials and problems and situations and hardships differently from unbelievers see them because we see it from a different perspective. And what they see as something that I just have to get through or something that I just have to go through, God wants us to grow through it. He wants us to grow. And these things happen in our life, challenges, opportunities, because our faith can grow. Our faith can be challenged. In the same way, it's not always pleasant if you're trying to run a marathon when you're training to be able to run 26 miles. When you step up and you go from five to 10 miles, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like an opportunity to rejoice. (laughs) But what is it doing? It's growing your endurance for the marathon. And if you decide to grow through it, instead of just go through it, God can develop something in your life that you can finish your race. Are you hearing me today? And so we have something called the power of perspective. The power of perspective. We don't see challenges and trials and tribulation as problems. We see them as opportunities. We see them as opportunities, and we can see them from the perspective of God now, not just a human perspective. because God is trying to grow something in our life. Now we realize there's, there's uh, different challenges and opportunities, and not all of them are from God, but you could still grow through the ones that are not even from God. Now let me give you an example. My sister had a brain tumor That wasn't from God Now she could have chosen Right then and there To be bitter To be angry To give up To say I'll never be normal To say why God That wasn't from God But notice if your perspective's right Even something that the enemy sends You can still grow from it And not let it Define you. Not let it end your life. And so what happened was. Our family's faith grew. But her faith grew. Even though it wasn't from God. But notice that's because she had the right perspective. And she kept it in the arena of faith. Because there's similar people that go through the same thing. That stay stuck there the rest of their life. So she used that opportunity. Notice it definitely lines up with trial, tribulation, problem as an opportunity to grow her endurance. And now she knows for the rest of her life, if I can make it through that, then I can make it through about anything. me know there's some people in here that have had similar situations that the enemy has sent your way but you decided to keep the right attitude and to stay in faith and keep the right perspective and you all know that by now the enemy can't bring that around and make you feel afraid anymore because you know if i grew through this then i can get through anything but notice everybody doesn't keep it in the right perspective or the arena of faith but I'm saying, even what the enemy sins for evil, God can turn for your good if you look at it right and stay in faith. And decide, I'm not going to just go through this, I'm going to grow through this. Everybody say, I'm going to grow. Are you uh, receiving what I'm saying this morning? So, the power of perspective that there is times in our life. I love how flowery that the book of James says it, consider it an opportunity for joy. (laughs) That just makes you want to slap James, doesn't it? (laughs) Consider it an opportunity for joy when you fall into problems. No, it's not, James. It's not fun, and it's not an opportunity. It's a problem. It's a trial and a tribulation, and nobody cares about me anymore. It's a problem. But notice, he's seeing it from God's perspective, Amen. not a human perspective. And he's saying, when you look at your situations and your challenges and your problems through the eyes of God and through the perspective of God, anything you get challenged with, you see it as an opportunity to grow, not an opportunity to stop you, not an opportunity to make you quit, not an opportunity to take your life and to take your vision and your dreams away. You look at it in the perspective of God and say, I have an opportunity to grow here. I have an opportunity to grow. And the world sees it as a losing opportunity. But from the perspective of God, you see it as a learning opportunity. I can learn something from this. And it will help me have endurance for my race. It's all about perspective. So we're talking about challenges or, or trials or tribulations or tests. So there is some that come from the enemy. We just talked about that. And even those you can grow from. Now, God didn't send them to you to teach you something. But if you keep them in the right perspective, you can learn something. <laughs> it's like uh, the person who was in a, a car wreck and decided, I'm going to finally give my life to God. God didn't send the car wreck. You could have got saved a long time ago. But did you learn something? Yes, you did. And you got saved. But you could have avoided it. So, there's things that the enemy sends, but there's also challenges that God sends. And test, to test your faith, to grow your faith. And there are things he will tell you to do that are bigger than you. He will tell you to do things that are greater than you, that are out of your comfort zone, that are going to stretch you, that are going to be, you run five miles, and he says run 15 miles. And there will be times in our life that God will challenge you. And he's given you an opportunity to grow. It might be an offering he tells you to give. It might be to... Be a bigger witness and you don't want to get out of your comfort zone and talk to anybody. And God says, I'm challenging you. This is an opportunity to grow. It might be to give up something in your life that it might not be sin, but it's a weight. And God says, I want you to give that up. And he's testing you. He's challenging you. He's giving you an opportunity to see what you will do. And he's giving you an opportunity to grow. Not just to go through it, but to grow through it. Not just to lose in this opportunity, but to learn something in this opportunity. You understand what I'm saying this morning? So the power of perspective. If we're going to have endurance, we need to see every challenge that comes our way in life, every trial, every tribulation, every problem, as an opportunity to grow our faith In our endurance. See every challenge that way. And we don't naturally see every challenge our way. That's why we have to be intentional about seeing it that way. We have to be focused about challenging ourselves to see it the way that God sees it. Every challenge and trouble, problem that we face can be an opportunity for great joy. But also to grow our faith, endurance. Let's read again in James 1 in verse 3. Notice it says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. So the first thing about endurance is your perspective. Your perspective. Let God grow your endurance don't run away from it run to it and God will give us challenges and opportunities to grow it's like many of us in here say I want to go get in better shape and then you get mad at the gym when you show up and you start doing something well you can't have one without the other and many of us say I want to be a faith giant I want to grow my faith. I want to have endurance. And then a challenge comes your way, and you're like, yeah, but I just wanted my faith to grow. I didn't want to actually experience any challenge or problem or situation. I just wanted to automatically increase. It's the same thing you walking into a gym and looking around all the equipment. Well, I just expected my muscles to grow just by entering the gym. No, you're actually going to have to. Experience something. You're actually going to have to challenge yourself. You're actually going to have to do something if you want to grow. Are you guys excited yet today? You sound excited so far. An opportunity to grow your faith and your endurance. So, let's talk about another thing here. Let's turn over to 1 Peter. You guys get something this morning. Amen. So we need endurance to finish our race, and to have endurance, we're going to need to let challenges and other situations. We're going to have to grow through those things. Let God grow and develop our spiritual muscle. So, I'm going to read here in a second in First Peter. So I was looking up a couple things this week about marathons. I was looking up some tips for running a race. And there's a couple things that stood out to me. And I'm going to share a couple of those things with you. And this is just from somebody who's a marathon runner. This is not like a spiritual person. And one of the things that they said that really stood out to me was, If you're going to finish a marathon, you have to keep pace. You have to keep pace. Now, I'm going to explain what I think that means today. You're going to have to keep pace. He said that if you're going to finish a marathon and you're going to finish it to win, you're going to have to keep a consistent pace. Now, that kind of goes along with what we talked about last week about training and discipline. They do things daily to train and to prepare themselves for the race. They try to stay consistent. And if we're going to finish our race, we're going to have to keep pace. We're going to have to do some things daily, like nutrition and exercise spiritually. And we're going to have to keep pace. Another thing they mentioned was that there's a time in the marathon, it's called hitting the wall. Hitting the wall. Everyone in a marathon race hits the wall. And the wall says, You're dying. (laughs) The wall says, Your legs are going to fall off. Your heart's going to explode. You can't breathe. You can't see. You can't get air. (laughs) You're dying. That's what your body's saying to you. But, That's not completely true. And they talked about that you need to keep pace even when you hit the wall because that's what keeps you going to the finish line. Because the people that slow down and start thinking too much about the wall that they just hit will not be able to finish the race. Because they start focusing more on what they're going through than the finish line. Are you picking up what I'm laying down today? So they have to keep pace. And even when they hit the wall, if they just keep their body going, they'll get past the wall and they'll feel better and get a second win and finish the race. But notice they have to keep that pace even during the tough times and the challenging times and the trials and the tribulations. They have to keep that pace to make it to the finish line. To have to keep pace. They have to keep the right pace because experienced runners know this. I'm going to hit a wall sometime here. But I've been here before and I didn't die. So I know this pain is only temporary. I can make it to the finish line. And some of you that have been in the things of God for a while and you've lived some life, you know that to be true. So you shouldn't even freak out when you hit a wall nowadays. You shouldn't even uh, just be discouraged when something happens today because you know you've been here before and you didn't die. You made it through it, it was only temporary. But notice the first time you hit that, you think, I'm done. I'm gonna die on this marathon race. But you gotta keep pace. And if you keep pace, you can make it to the finish line and win. So when you hit a wall or you see an uphill run, you know, that's expected. I'm ready for this. You shouldn't have signed up for the marathon if you weren't expecting a hill and hitting the wall. It comes with the territory. And as believers, you should expect it. You're going to have some challenges. You're going to have some opportunities. You're going to have some times that you feel like you hit the wall. But realize that comes with the territory of running a marathon race. But no, if you keep your pace, you stay close to God, you can make it through. Because it's only temporary. Hitting the wall is only temporary. The pain, it's only temporary. It's only temporary. Here's something else about pace I want to say. Now, I feel like you guys are getting something today. I feel like you're receiving something this morning. Here's something else about running a marathon race. They said that it's important that you have other people that keep the pace with you So that when you're running and you get tired and you get discouraged, they can encourage you and help you keep pace. You don't want to run by yourself. You need some other people around you to help you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to keep you running at the right pace and the right energy. And so... We need people that run at the same pace that we run. Don't team up with people who don't know how to run. Don't team up with people who have never been in a marathon. Don't team up with people who just want to lollygag and they don't even want to win the race. They're just there to take the pictures after the race to put them on Facebook. Hey, six miler, ran it. Okay, cool. I mean, you did it in 48 hours, I guess. Color clash, six miler. You need somebody who wants to win. Somebody who wants to make it to the finish line. You need other people in your life. And the people in here that think they don't need other people in your life, you need the people the most. The people in here that don't want relationships with other people and isolate themselves, you need more people than anybody else. I got a couple looks and a couple grumpy faces. That would be you I'm talking to. We all need people in our life. We all need people encouraging us, praying for us, helping us keep pace, running at the same pace. So that means you need to find some people that love God just as much as you do or more. You need some people who are just as passionate about worship as you are. You need to find some people that are just as passionate about fulfilling the plan of God as you are. You need to find some people that love God more than you do. You need to find some people that are passionate about doing what God has called them to do more than you do. And if we're going to keep hanging around people that want to lose the race, they don't want to win the race, we can't wonder why we are where we are. We have to have people that are helping us keep pace. Now for a lot of you, that should be your life group. You need people. That's why we made a way for you guys to have people, because some of you couldn't do it by yourself. We said, we're going to set up life groups. Just jump in one, Any anyone you want. There's no limit. We will get you involved in one because you all need people. I need people in my life. So we need to keep pace. We need to have people we can talk to about the things of God. We need to have people that we can that can challenge us, we need to have people that can pray for us, we need to have people that will talk straight to us when we're talking crazy, when we're acting crazy, when we're living crazy, that will slap us upside the head and say, there's something wrong with you, I'm not going to kiss your butt like everybody else in this world, I'm going to tell you, you're lagging behind, pick up the pace. You didn't know I was going to preach a friendship message this morning, but I went there. Is that the truth? It's the truth. You need some people to help you keep pace. And trust me, for a lot of you, you need to understand those people are found in a local church. Not that you can't have friends outside of here. We've never said that. We're not a cult. We're not weird. You can have friends wherever you want to have friends. You should be the most friendly person wherever you are. But your best friends and your closest people and the people that are keeping pace with you should be in the house of God. You should talk to the people in the house of God more than you talk to other people. You should be doing barbecues and sleepovers and get-togethers, not with all your work friends and your school friends, but your church friends. Because those are the people that are going to be with you for life. All right, I went from meddling to get in between you and your makeup this morning. But are you receiving what I'm saying? You need people that are going to keep pace with you. All right. We're going to talk about uh, one more thing before we close here. You need to keep pace. You need to have the right people that are running with you, doing life with you. They also said that if you're going to run a marathon, you need to mentally prepare for it. You need to mentally prepare for the race, mentally prepare for the race. Now, we know this because a lot of you have been taught so well, you know that your mind is so important, your mind and your soul are so important to you being successful, to you Fulfilling the plan of God, you know that your mind is important and God has a lot to say about it And they say if you're going to win in a marathon race, you need to mentally prepare for the race You need to see the hills You need to see yourself hitting the wall. You need to see yourself finishing You need to see it all ahead of time. So you're prepared when you start running So that's when stuff happens. You don't freak out and lose it in the middle of the race because you're like, I've already been here mentally, I can do this. But your mind is a major key to you finishing the race with endurance. The Bible says that you need to renew your mind. Renew your mind. Renewing your mind means that you take your thinking and exchange it with God's thinking. Now, the only place you can learn that is in the Bible. So when you get in the Bible, you don't read it to see if it is true. You read it saying, no, this is the truth, and what I'm thinking may or may not be true. And I'm going to change the way I'm thinking to think the way that God is thinking in the Word of God. Because this Word is not just good And not just helpful book, and it's not just to make me a better person and receive my best life now. It's for truth. And it is the absolute truth of God's word. And so when I read it, I think, well, God is right and I'm wrong. So I'm going to have to change the way I'm thinking. And we renew our mind to God's word. Notice we have to be mentally prepared if we're going to finish the race with endurance. So you're going to have to have a renewed mind. Another thing it says about your mind and the word of God is that you have to guard your thoughts and your mind from the wrong things. It says that you have to uh, cast out every thought and every idea that tries to raise itself up above the knowledge of God's word. You have to guard your mind. To mentally prepare for this race, you're going to have to have a guarded mind. You don't just let any thought into your mind. You just don't think anything. You don't just listen to the news and believe that everything they're saying is true. And beyond that, you don't read everything on the internet and believe that it's true. You run it through the filter of God's word. So we're going to have to have a guarded mind. We have to guard our mind from the wrong things. Notice if we're going to mentally prepare for this race. Now stay with me. We're almost finished here. Are you you with me here? From the front to the back. Are you with me? We'll go finish this race with endurance. So 1 Peter 1 and verse 13. Now we're still talking about your mind. To run this race with endurance and finish, you have to mentally prepare for it ahead of time. Your mind has to be in it. But spiritually thinking... What do we say? You need to renew your mind? You need to guard your mind? 1 Peter 1 and verse 13. Now this says in 1 Peter 1.13 in the New Living, it says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. But notice it says, so prepare your minds for action. For a race. And exercise self-control. Now, 1 Peter 1.13, I want to talk about that for a moment as we close here. Now, some of you have the King James Version. Now, I think this is one of the most funny scriptures in all the Bible. Now, I'll tell you what it says in the King James Version. Gird up the loins of your mind. Aren't you glad that we read New Living instead of King James sometimes? Let me repeat that again. The King James version of the same scripture that says, prepare your mind for action. That's very 2017. The King James, old King James, 400 years ago, translated, says, gird up the loins of your mind. (laughs) That's what it says. Can you receive anything from that scripture today? Now, that's a refrigerator scripture. Please post this on Facebook tomorrow. <laughs> scripture of the day is gird up the loins of your mind. The thing is, we read that and we think it's funny because it is. But you realize people who wrote the Bible and translated the Bible would think that the way we talk is hilarious too. Very hilarious. So he says, in the New Living, he says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. But King James says, gird up the loins of your mind. (laughs) Gird up the loins of your mind. (laughs) Hilarious. (laughs) So, there is a reason I'm sharing this verse, not just to laugh about the scripture. So, gird up the loins of your mind. We're talking about running a race. Talk about finishing the race with endurance. Talk about this is a marathon race. Now, in the time the Bible was written, Peter, who wrote this book, 1 Peter, he knew about this. Most men, and still today in the Middle East, most men wear long robes. That's what they wear. They don't wear shorts. They don't wear khakis. They don't wear skinny jeans. They wear robes, tunics. They wear these things. Still today in the Middle East, that's what they they wear. That's tradition. Now, they wore that in the same time of the New Testament. Peter knew about that. He probably was wearing one when he wrote this. Jesus probably wore something like this. That was traditional for men to wear these type of things. So they were like a robe. So they wore these things and it's not easy to run in those type of robes. It's not easy. You can't really run with those because they go from top to down to your feet. So the thing that they would do is this. They would take their robe and tie it up like it was shorts, tie it around their thighs tie it up on either side. They would take their, it was pretty much like a long dress, bring it up, tie it around, and so it would look like shorts. And that's what they called girding up your loins. And they did that for a reason. Because they were about to either run or fight or go to a battle or even when they were doing heavy labor, labor in action, they would do that now when they were just walking the streets they would they would just keep their dress <laughs> that's what it's really like a dress down they would keep their robe down but notice when they were wanting to be active and run a race or or go into battle and to really do something they would gird up their loins but he says gird up the loins of your mind because you have to mentally prepare for this race before you get in it. And you need to mentally prepare by using that example from these Old Testament and New Testament men and realize if I'm going to run this race, I can't just have my mind doing whatever it wants to do. I'm going to have to be intentional about this and get my mind prepared for this race. I'm going to have to gird up the loins of my mind because I'm ready for action. I'm ready for purpose. I'm ready to run. Because if I just go into this with my mind hanging down, I'm going to be running and I'm going to trip over myself. Or if they were in a battle, they would have got killed probably pretty easily because it would have got caught on something and they would have tripped and fallen and be easy for the enemy to take out. So they were intentional about when I'm going to be active and run and race and battle, I'm going to gird up the loins of my robe. But he says, gird up the loins of your mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Gird up the loins of your mind. He's saying mentally prepare for the race. Mentally have your mind ready for this run. Mentally get in shape for this race with endurance. Mentally prepare for what God has called you to do. Gird up the loins of your mind. Now did you get anything about. Gird up the loins of your mind. Tell all your work friends tomorrow. That you got something from church today. Hey you want to know the scripture. Gird up the loins of your mind. Alright pass the coffee thanks. So he's saying that not physically. We need to do this. But mentally we need to do this. It means we need to mentally prepare. And to be active and to be Ready for the race or for the action that we're about to enjoy. So just real quickly, I want to recap some of the things we said today. We talked about uh, endurance and perspective. We need to have a perspective that I'm going to grow through these things. I'm going to let challenges and problems grow my faith and endurance because I'll be stronger for it in the end. We talked about keeping pace when we hit the wall. When we go through hills of life Keeping the pace And staying with people that help us keep the pace But lastly Mentally preparing For this race that we call life We got to have our mind in the game You ever heard that saying? Get your mind into the game Athletes say that all the time They can tell when players are somewhere else When they're out there on the field Get your mind in the game Get your mind in the race. If you're going to win, you got to get your mind into it. you got to get your heart into it. you got to mentally prepare yourself. And how do we do that? We do that by being intentional about renewing our mind to the word and guarding our mind. So let's look back at Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Did you guys hear something today? I appreciate you guys coming out today. gird up the loins of your mind. Camp theme 2017. Oops. Let it slip. Just joking all that social media stuff on what the camp theme was. Joking, it's gird up the loins of your mind 2017. We're trying to be super scriptural this year. All right, couple laughs, couple stares. Hebrews 12 and verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witness to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Did you guys get anything today? Well, let me say a couple things as we close. First of all, let's just uh, stand up for a moment. Nobody looking around. Let me ask this this morning, that if anyone needs to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior today, you need to come into a relationship with him. Could you just lift your hands? Nobody looking around.